Welcome everyone to Tamriel Adventures, a show that brings you information from all across the far reaches of Tamriel. I'm your host, Eric, aka Sulior, and this episode is going to be about how the Alessian dynasty comes to an end. So we talked about how the Alessian Empire got started, and we kind of talked a little bit about things that happened in the middle of the Alessian dynasty. So this episode, we are going to talk about how the Alessian Empire comes to a close. But before we get to that, we do have a little bit of news here. So the biggest thing that I saw when I was checking the news this morning was that the High Isle chapter is going to feature some Lord of the Rings alum in the form of Billy Boyd. So, for those of you who don't know, Billy Boyd was Pippin in the Lord of the Rings movies. And he is going to be voicing a wood elf named Baragas. I think is how you pronounce that. Baragas, yes. So, he is a gambling wood elf. So, my guess is he's going to have to do with the Tales of Tribute card game. So, that's pretty awesome. So, yeah... Bethesda really loves to bring in the celebrities, don't they? Whether it's Liam Neeson or Matthew Perry or Max von Sydow, you know, just you know, Sean Bean, tons of uh, high-profile people, and uh, so now we're gonna get get some Lord of the Rings characters or uh, actors in the Elder Scrolls world. So that's that's pretty cool. So, we also have some, and there's also an article that I'm going to link in the show notes where he kind of breaks down his character. So, definitely check that out if you want some more information. Um, we got some other character breakdowns in the Ascendant Lord and Magus. Magus. And then also, uh, there's an in-depth uh, look at one of the new companions, Ember, which I'm really excited about. So, Ember is the Khajiiti mage that uh, is a recruitable companion. And I'm also going to include the article that breaks down the other recruitable companion, which is Isabel Valois, who is a Breton knight. So, I don't think I've included that one uh, before in a previous episode, so... Um, a couple other articles uh, from ElderScrollsOnline.com uh, is five things you five zone experiences you shouldn't miss uh, for the High Isle Zone, and also ten things you need to know about the Tales of Tribute card game. So that's uh, really it. Is uh, uh, there's actually one more thing? I apologize that I saw. My phone likes to suggest articles to me once in a while, and this is an update on the Skyrim multiplayer mod Skyrim Together, and it's broken down by Juiced, who is a well-known um, streamer and uh, things like that. So uh, yeah, definitely check that out. So let's talk about what I have been playing lately. I've been playing a lot. So in a lot of ESO and a lot of other things too. So um, I recently decided to get a month of the uh, ESL Plus subscription, so I've definitely been taking advantage of that, both with my 
um, North American character and my European character. So, um, just the crafting bag by itself is enough to, to make the subscription worth it, but it also gives you access to all the DLCs. So, I recently finished the Dark Brotherhood for the first time with my European character. I've never done that before. Um, I really should have a long time ago, so I finally decided to do it. Um, it was really cool. Um, it does get a little grindy, but it wasn't as bad as I remembered uh, doing the grinding contract quests. There's other things you can do too, like the sacraments, but those are a little bit more difficult. So, yeah, and then once you reach a certain rank, you get access to story quests. So you just kind of do the story quests, grind, rinse, repeat. Um, with my North American character, I actually had done a lot of the DLCs. Um, I don't think I've done Merkmire with that character. I should probably do that at some point. But I did find the Kothringi quests in the uh, Shadowfen zone. I hadn't done that before. So, um, also with my European character, I finished the, I did the whole um, Markarth quest, which I hadn't done yet with that character. I thought, well, and here's the thing. I thought that I'd finished it with my North American character when they were doing a free month of uh, ESO Plus, but apparently I'd only done about half of it, which was kind of confusing because you beat this big boss and then you get a, an achievement for it. And I thought that was it, but I thought about it and I'm like, okay, but I haven't killed Rada Alsaran yet who is like the main antagonist for the whole thing. So I got to that point with my European character and I realized that, well, there is a, a quest indicator over on the compass with another character in the room, but I just thought that was a normal zone quest, but no, uh, that was a continuation of the story. So, yeah, I finished that with my European character, and now I need to go finish that with my North American character. Also, as I'm recording this, today is the last day to take advantage of the launcher merger, the Bethesda launcher merger. So you can get the, uh, bon the rewards for the Season 9 scoreboard with Fallout 76. And speaking of the merger, I posted pictures of this on social media, but it's not just ESO that I've been playing as far as Elder Scrolls. I've also been playing Arena and Daggerfall. I made it out of the starting zone, or the starting dungeons with both of those, which <laughs> with Daggerfall is really difficult. Um, everything is randomized in those starting dungeons. Like, yes, there's a fixed place for a loot bag, right after you get outside of your jail cell with Arena. But what you get in that bag is completely randomized. You can just get some gold, you can get a piece of armor with no weapon, and whether or not you can actually equip that armor with your character build is uh, also subject to chance. Or you can get a weapon that is really good, weapon and armor that's really good and not get any gold or whatever you know you get the idea it's just completely random 
So if you are playing Arena for the first time, I recommend quick saving right before you loot that first loot bag. And then, like I said, you gotta know where to go. But once you get a decent weapon and you know where to go to get out of the starting dungeon, it's really not that difficult. You just have to kill some zo uh, not zombies, goblins on the way. There are some goblins that are fixed. Um, another thing that's random, for the most part, are the enemies that spawn. You can find archers, you can find knights, you can find imps, you can find goblins, rats. Um, like I said, you just have to know where to go to get out of there. And yeah, so it, it really wasn't that difficult for me to get out of the starting dungeon in Arena. Daggerfall is kind of a different story. Um, now there is a loot bag pretty close to where you spawn that should have a weapon. You should come with an, a weapon to begin with. And there's all the, yeah, the, the dungeon, the starting dungeon in Daggerfall is pretty big. And you, again, you have to know where to go. And there is a skeleton on a top on the top of a set of stairs that's really difficult. Um, when I got out of there, it wasn't hard. Uh, like, I, well, I mean, it was, but I avoided that guy altogether. And I got out of there, and then you have to travel to find where the closest city is. And I kept getting killed right outside of the gate with, you know, right when I got out of that starting dungeon because there's some enemies that are pretty close by. Uh, I want to say they're rangers. Um, but what what's interesting is with this Bethesda Launcher merge, there were a couple of games that weren't included in the Bethesda Launcher to begin with that are now available on Steam that previously weren't. And I'm talking about Redguard and Elder Scrolls, an Elder Scrolls Legend Battle Spire. Uh, <laughs> I have played a bit of Redguard. Uh, I found it for free on a website that I had downloaded. Um, I hadn't really played it in a long time. I only played it for a little bit, maybe like a half hour. Um, and when I changed computers, when I got the computer that I have currently, that was my Alexa, um, it, for whatever reason, didn't work. So... I got it off of Steam, along with Battlespire, and I, I really do enjoy Redguard. Um, I want to say it's one of the first Elder Scrolls games that are fully voiced, which Morrowind came out four years after uh, Redguard, and the, there are voices in the game, but the conversations aren't voiced. I'm kind of curious as to why that is. I don't know if it was due to the fact that Morrowind was the first console game, and consoles, I don't know, that, that really shouldn't be an excuse. But Redguard is fully voiced. The controls are, it, it, the controls take a little bit to get used to. You don't even, you can't use a controller, but yeah, the control layout is a little bit different compared to Arena and Daggerfall, and Battlespire for that matter, which... Yeah, and like I said, for the most part, I really do, I really have enjoyed Redguard so far. I need to play more of it. Battlespire is a completely different can of worms. 
So the only other person I know of that's really played Battle Spire is Lotus of Doom, and I've watched a couple of his streams of it, and it just looks painful. So, but still, I wanted to be able to say that I have played Battle Spire, and I now can say I have played Battle Spire. And oh my God, um, I can't even get out of the first room without getting killed. I can't even find a weapon to defend myself with. Um, I mean, it does take advantage of the mouse. Which is good. I mean, the for Arena Daggerfall, Redguard, and Battlespire, your movement is the arrow keys, not WASD. Which I really kind of now looking back, and I, I want to say Wolfenstein 3D was the same way. You used the arrow keys and not WASD. Which looking back on it, I wish you really did. I mean, they had always used WASD instead of the arrow keys because it kind of makes you cramp up a little bit. And I wish there was a way to remap the buttons. But the graphics in Battlespire remind me a lot of Wolfenstein 3D. But more specifically, I, I, it reminds me a little bit more of the first two Doom games. The graphics uh, look a lot like the first two Doom games. But goddamn, like I can't, like I said, I can't even find a weapon before I get killed. Like I can't even get out of the first room. There's a, no matter which door you choose, there's an enemy right there. And they just, yeah, they kill you in a few hits. So <laughs> I told Lotus about that. And he's like, yep, that's Battlespire for you. Um, I remember watching him play and there were enemies that clipped into the floor or into the walls. And you can't even see them. They're invisible and they're still attacking you. So... Um, yeah, I just get to know what I have to look forward to. Because I do plan on giving it a more... You know, I do plan on playing all of these more. But that's not all I've been playing. Um, like I said, I've been playing a lot. Um, with Fallout New Vegas, which if you want to listen to my uh, playthrough of that, check out the Fallout feed. They're doing a roundtable on Fallout New Vegas. But I had a little bit of time because the current episode, I didn't have a quest assigned. Um based on the fact that I'm Mr. House. So I took advantage of the extra time and I played through Old World Blues, which is, you, you explain the story of Old World Blues and it just sounds like, you know, it sounds insane. But um, I've, got, I've still got a little bit of time before the next episode, so I think I'm going to check out Honest Hearts. So, also... I have been playing Halo Infinite. Um, if you know me at all, you know that I'm not much of a Halo person. I think I talked about this on a previous episode. But I have been playing a little bit with Marcus Axford of the Legends Rise Elder Scrolls Online podcast. So he really wanted to play it with me, which is cool. I have nothing against playing Halo, and I really think Halo is more of a social game. I mean, yeah, there's a there's a campaign to it, and if you want to play the campaign, good. Um, I probably will also. But when most people talk about Halo, they talk about the multiplayer arena matches. And so, um, yeah, I played, you know, this past weekend quite a bit with them, and it was fun. Um, I'd, n I'd never played Halo Infinite before. I think most of my experience with Halo is the first two games, Halo 1 and Halo 2, and not a lot, because like I said, it's something I've only really played when I've gone to somebody else's house and played it with them. 
But um, with Halo Infinite, it was really fun. I played, like I said, I played for quite a few hours, and I don't think there was a match where I didn't get fewer than three kills, which honestly isn't a lot, but I do feel like I at least contributed. So, really, that's about all I've been playing lately. I need to hop into Outer Worlds and finish that. But, um, yeah, I really had fun playing Halo Infinite. So, definitely um, hit me up if you want to play uh, Halo Infinite with me also. Or Elder Scrolls Online. Um, definitely, definitely uh, hit me up if you want to play that, because I'm definitely down to play uh, some dungeons with some people. So, Anyway, that really is it as far as what I've been playing, so let's get into today's topic, which is the downfall of the Alessian Dynasty. Alright, so we've talked about how the First Empire was started with uh, St. Alessia. So now we are going to talk about how the First Empire ended. And this really came about as a result of the War of Righteousness, which was a rebellion against the Alessian Order. And it started in First Era 2321. And unfortunately, we don't really know a lot of the details about this because according to my research a lot of the documents were destroyed nice way to write yourself out of having to write a lot about it i guess but hey you know there was an alessian monastic complex at lake canulus that was raised and apparently a lot of the documents were destroyed at this point and this war, from what we know, goes on for 10 years. So it ends in 2331. And the Alessian Order had completely kind of caved in. And it threw Tamriel into chaos for a while. Until the Raymond Dynasty rose and took power. So we do know that... At this point, High Rock had already succeeded from the Alessian Empire. But a lot of the details of the war itself are lost, apparently. So <clears throat> we know that High Rock succeeded in 2305. And they'd been a part of the Empire for over a thousand years at that point. So the Bankrai garrison successfully fends off a wrathful legion of piety and grace under Abbot General Priscius Macador. I hope I pronounced that correctly. And uh, Macador had been sent to forcibly reclaim the wayward region. Quote unquote. And yeah, this whole thing was really a response to the Alessian Order spreading itself too thin at this point. And over the years, the Alessian Order had no shortage of enemies, so their rise to power in Cyrodiil had soured their relations with the Cameron dynasty in Valenwood, who had initially established cordial relations with the Empire. 
First Empire of the Nords, not to be confused with the Blessian Empire, was at various times receptive and resistant to the Order. So the Order preaches kind of a monotheistic deity, uh, sorry, monotheism and worship of the One. And not everybody had accepted that. There is, of course, the Eight Divines, according to Nordic Pantheon, which really came to be what future incarnations of the Empire believe. And, yeah, like I said, High Rock had already succeeded by the time the War of Righteousness had started. And for the most part, the Elysian Empire had a pretty good uh, relationship with the Nords. Um, High King Borgas of Skyrim had become a significant ally, but he was killed by the Wild Hunt in Valenwood for iniquities of his Alessian faith. And I have talked about the Wild Hunt. I might do another, a future episode about the Wild Hunt later on. But uh, many aliens of the Order had driven out, had been driven out of Cyrodiil and was absorbed by the Bosmer into Valenwood, so it sounds like they had significant enemies against the Wood Elves and the aliens at this point. Of course, the aliens, because, I mean, <laughs> the uh, Alessian Empire were already established enemies of the aliens. It seems like the Alessian order had kind of become a victim of its own success. So the priesthood spread as as it was throughout the regions of Tamriel, and kind of so they they took what they had and just spread it across what they you know what territories they owned. And it got to the point where there was a movement that had started in Clovia, and there was a heavy Nordic influence as well as concerns about a hostile regatta in Hammerfell. And it created a buffer in western Cyrodiil against the influence of the Alessian priesthood, which had emerged to the east. And resistance to the Alessian doctrines in western Cyrodiil eventually led to the formation of... The, and, and, you know, its own uh, separate government, which became High Rock. So the Alessians were no stranger to suppressing rebellions, but when Western Cyrodiil, led by Rizlov Lederich, successfully broke away from the Empire in 478, it kind of spelled the beginning of the end. Sorry, first era, 478. So this actually is talking about the fall of the order, Alessian order, uh, which led to the rise of the Breton, uh, Bretons coming and claiming their own land. So, the Alessian order also hated all things elven, so they realized that Akatosh had Aldmeri influence, and they kind of despised that. They tried to disprove that Akatosh was kind of a an Aldmeri figure, and they couldn't do that. So the fanatical scholar priest decided to exercise the Aldmeri traits altogether. 
So it sounds like at this point they were kind of in denial, <laughs> which uh, is never really a good thing. So maybe this is part of the reason why the gods and probably the Daedra also have different names based on which, you know, culture is viewing said deity and then uh, it talks about the middle dawn here where it, the middle dawn kind of comes to an end during this time and it's one of the it's the longest dragon bake break to ever take place and every culture has you know their view of the middle dawn Although, in somewhat more recent times, there's been a debate as to whether or not it even existed, which I say it did. So, it wasn't until the War of Righteousness that the Alessian Order ended completely. There were still some straggling along up until the War of Righteousness, but the War of Righteousness... War of Righteousness concluded the Alessian Order. It ended it definitively. Like, they were all, you know, stamped out during the War of Righteousness. So, that is the end of the Alessian Order and the Alessian Dynasty. And that didn't, you know, it, it kind of left Cyrodiil in a state of flux until... Raymond Cyrodiil stepped up and that is where we are going to pick up with the next episode was is the rise of Raymond Cyrodiil and the the uh, second incarnation of the Empire so sorry if this uh, episode seems a little short the lore segment seems a little short but and disjointed but there's just not a lot known about the War of Righteousness and just because all of the documents were, according to <laughs> whoever wrote this, the documents were destroyed. Like I said, maybe it's kind of a, a nifty way of not having to write about it, but who knows? Maybe at some point they will um, write more about the end of the Alessian Empire and the War of Righteousness. I guess in Elder Scrolls Online there is an item called the Prophet's Inkwell that has to do with the War of Righteousness. And it's uh, found in ESO. I've never heard of that, but that would be a pretty cool item to come across. I guess it was a personal item of the Prophet Maruk, who is a seer. And he is a first era prophet that rose to prominence during the Cameron dynasty. And he became an esteemed among the, the inhabitants of the Alessian Order. The Cameron dynasty, for those of you who don't know, uh, has to do with Valenwood. So it, it was a part of the Valenwood dynasty. I guess he's, he's part of, uh, the Cameron Dynasty is part of the reason why they succeeded 
from the Alessian Empire. So yes, the Camerons ruled Valenwood um, up through part of the Second Era, up until part of the Second Era. So um, yeah, so that is going to put a bow on this episode. I'm sorry if it seems like I've kind of been rambling a little bit. Like I said, there's just not a lot of information about the topic. I apologize. Um, but it was one that kind of needed to be done. Like I said, we we went through how the first incarnation of the Empire rose to power, and I thought it was important to talk about how they collapsed. So we'll start with the second incarnation of the Empire in the next episode. So before I get out of here, there's something that I wanted to talk about that's kind of important to me. And if you've listened to the latest episode of Nintendo, Super Nintendo, if you will, um, about the pros and cons of, of cloud gaming, you will know what I'm going to bring up here. And that is the fact that I have been approached by Kenneth Vigue to take part in a Fallout for Hope charity event next month about Alzheimer's research or in support of Alzheimer's research. So if you know who Kenneth Vigue is, uh, or if you don't know who Kenneth Vigue is, he is the showrunner, he's the creator and showrunner for the Chad of Fallout 76 podcast. Uh, which is a uh, radio drama set in the Fallout 76 universe. Definitely go check it out. It's a great show. And he is partnering with Wes Johnson. Uh, well, he... I'm going back up a little bit. He started an organization called Fallout for Hope, which it, it raises... It started out raising money for the St. Jude's Children's Hospital around the holidays, but he since has used this platform to raise money for um, the Ukraine and um, the American Heart Association. And I guess recently Wes Johnson approached him about raising money for Alzheimer's research uh, with a program called The Longest Day. So he is, he posted asking everybody who their favorite Elder Scrolls um, content creators are because he's not as familiar with the Elder Scrolls universe as he is with Fallout. And my buddy KDB, who I do Tapes from the Waste with, uh, which we're going to be recording a new episode this weekend, so stay tuned for that. Um, He mentioned me. And I didn't really think anything about it. I was like, hey, thanks. Thanks. I do love Tamriel. Um, But that was so he can get to know who some of these content creators are. And he asked if... I knew he was doing this. Um, I've never really taken part in Fallout for Hope before. I've wanted to, but I didn't really know. I didn't think my um, streaming platform was big enough for it. But hey, you know, I guess it is. So, he asked me personally if I wanted to be a part of this. He's like, hey, I noticed you have a a Twitch page. Would you like to take part in this? And Alzheimer's, unfortunately, is something that everybody has some sort of 
experience with. Um, not maybe not personally. They might personally have not you know suffered from it, but they know somebody who has. And I'm in, I am no exception to this. I lost my grandmother Merle uh, about 10, 11 years ago, almost 12. And it's one of those things where it's like you, you kind of lose the person before they're gone because they lose all sense of who they are and who you are and where they are. They kind of, it, it, it's, it's horrible. You, you, they just kind of lose all sense of who they are before they ultimately leave and so I am going to I'm honored to be taking part in helping raise money so eventually hopefully one day nobody else has to experience this so I am going to leave a link for the charity page in the show notes so if you would do me a favor and at least consider donating this the um the charity organization takes place june 17th through the 26th and there's going to be a lot of things going on west johnson is going to be hosting voice of palooza which is going to star a lot of different voice actors and there's other things going on. I want to say that um, the Chad Fallout 76 podcast is going to be hosting a live uh, kind of multiverse event where it kind of merges the worlds of Elder Scrolls and Fallout, which is going to be really cool. And there's more things that he's he hasn't even announced yet. So uh, check it out. It's going to be June 17th through the 26th. And like I said... Um, definitely at least consider donating to this. This is such a worthy cause, and it's one that affects everybody. So, anyway, I just thought that I'd bring that up because that has, you know, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm really honored to take part in that. So, anyway, I'm going to wrap this up. So, I would like to thank The Hive, as always, for sponsoring this podcast. And if you would like to get a hold of me, you can find my personal pages on Twitter and Instagram at iangold08. You can find the show's page at P. And if you would do me a favor and leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I don't remember the last time that I have gotten a rating or review. So... Yeah, that is it for this episode, and like I mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking about Raymond Cyrodiil and the rise of the Second Empire in the next one. So until then, as always, stay safe, adventurers.